I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Biopharma merged with First Wave Bio last year, it renamed itself First Wave Biopharma. The company is developing targeted, non-systemic therapies for gastrointestinal diseases with its lead candidate, niclosamide, an approved therapy to treat tapeworms that it believes has antiviral and anti-inflammatory properties. The company is developing niclosamide in six GI indications, including COVID-19-related GI disease, immune checkpoint inhibitor-associated colitis and diarrhea in advanced oncology patients, ulcerative proctitis and proctosigmoiditis, ulcerative colitis, and Crohn's disease. We spoke to James Saperstein, CEO of First Wave Biopharma, about the merger, niclosamide, and its potential to treat a range of gastrointestinal disorders. James, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk about first wave biopharma, niclosamide, and its potential to treat not only COVID-related GI infections, but a range of other gastrointestinal conditions, including Crohn's disease. Why did you go from a licensing deal to an acquisition on this drug? Well, we looked at it initially for GI. Uh, we really had interest in uh, all inflammatory bowel diseases. And when the time came to uh, think about acquiring the company, uh, we, we were cash poor at that point. So uh, we decided to take uh, a turn at the licensing, two indications where we thought uh, we, we could move pretty quickly in a clinical trial. So we licensed in, uh, at that time, uh, COVID, uh, because they, they do have activity against, the closest activity against COVID and checkpoint inhibitor colitis. Uh, we kept the, the window open and talking to our potential partners at, at the old first wave bio, as they were called. Mm-hmm. And uh, we saw some data on proctitis, on ulcerative proctitis, mm-hmm. which we were very pleased about. And then we move forward towards acquiring the company. This took you from being focused on a single asset, uh, an experimental therapy for a subset of cystic fibrosis patients with digestive enzyme deficiency into a much bigger potential market. How transformational for the company has this deal been? Well, extremely transformational because when I joined the company in 2019, um, in the latter part of 2019, I was asked by the board to just finish up the studies with a drill pace and uh, pull the company together for, for either an out licensing of a drill pace or an acquisition. And uh, yeah, I'm in the midst of doing that right now and decided, you know what, let's, let's make sure that, uh, we can get this done with the drill pace, but also let's have a backup plan just in case, uh, because 
I felt we were going in the right direction with a jeweler pace, but I, I wanted a backup plan anyway. So uh, as we went through this, as we saw the data, and we wanted to be a full-fledged gastroenterology company because as I started talking to partners about a jeweler pace, uh, and that is, you know, big pharma partners and mid-sized pharmaceutical partners, I realized that many of them had not one a need for a product, but several needs. A lot of them have a lot of patent cliffs uh, in their pipeline. So uh, I talked to my board and we decided it's best if we had multiple shots on goal so that if we are acquired at some point, um, we would fill a, a strong pipeline for the acquirer. So we transformed the whole company from being a smaller one shot on goal to multiple shots on goal. Niclosamide is a, an approved drug to treat tapeworm. What's the mechanism of action there? How does it treat tapeworm? <clears throat> well, excuse me. It, it treats tapeworm on, on contact, you know, by, by, by killing them right away, uh, especially the adult worms. Um, and we believe uh, it, it really uncouples uh, – it's the uncoupling of oxidative phosphorylation, uh, which helps form uh, this ATP uh, enzyme or AC, AC, ATPase activity. Um, that's the way it kills a tapeworm. So it really has a, a way of disrupting uh, the, their cellular rep, replication. And we believe this is really how it, it, it works uh, to destroy uh, inflammatory processes but also potentially COVID as well, or SARS, SARS-V2. So if you're relying on the same mechanism act of action across the, the different indications? Yeah, correct. I mean, to, to be uh, very transparent about how niclosamide was looked at for COVID initially, when the pandemic started, uh, the Institute of Pasteur in Korea, and actually the Korean division, started looking at all these older products to see if they cannot uh, re be repurposed for uh, for the pandemic. And niclosamide tested very, very well. In fact, it has better 40-fold like, activity, stronger than remdesivir, which is already on the market by Gilead. So um, the, the, the person who invented this micronized version of niclosamide, Gary Glick, decided – while he was developing this drug for uh, gastrointestinal uh, maladies, he said, okay, well, I saw this in the literature, let's test it. So he did. He tested it in vitro and it worked. So uh, there are actually three other companies working on niclosamide as well uh, around the world. Uh, they're all in phase two. However, uh, they don't have their micronized version of, of niclosamide like we do, meaning that uh, we we need a very small amount of drug to be effective, as opposed to you know theirs. They they need a lot more drug. It's uh, taking it multiple times a day. Uh, we think we can get away with one or twice a day activity for COVID uh, in a small in a small tablet. Uh, we also have IP for all these other gastrointestinal indications, including intranasal uh, administration and rectal administration of of niclosamide. Uh, but we believe the mechanism of action is similar for SARS-2 uh, or COVID-19 as it is with the, the parasites. What are TH17 cells and what role do they play in the inflammatory process, particularly around inflammatory 
bowel diseases like Crohn's. Oh, well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a, a, a microbiologist by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I'll just kind of give you the layman's uh, version of it. Um, we, we believe their function is, you know, they produce IL-17 and IL-17F, which are generally thought, and these are interleukins, they're generally thought to be, uh, have a role in, 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 in inflammation, they're pro-inflammatory interleukins, uh, and they play an, an important role in, in had the body's host defense against infections. They they tend to to bring on neutrophils and macrophages to to infect the tissue. So um, we also believe uh, they're part of the, the cascade of inflammation that you see uh, in in the human body. Uh, as you know, um, that's really what's going on with with COVID nineteen. Uh, it's very much a, a, a virus that causes inflammation in the body. And also in these digestive diseases, such as Crohn's disease, uh, you're basically when it's just causing this massive amount of inflammation uh, in, in, in the colon for, for these patients. Uh, and we believe that niclosamide is, is instrumental in, in helping uh, these TH17 cells regulate or just downregulate. How specific are these cells to the gut? And does targeting them have any broader immunosuppressive effect? Ooh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just know it from an infectious disease perspective. Uh, I'm not sure how much of it is, is on the gut, to, to, to be honest. Uh, but we, we know that there is an interaction with niclosamide in these cells. So when when you test patients, does it, make them vulnerable to opportunistic infections or anything like that? Well, we, we don't, we don't believe so. Uh, we, we believe uh, we have a strong uh, anti-inflammatory effect, but we believe because our drug is, is non-systemic, it doesn't readily get absorbed. Uh, it, it basically, uh, you know, moves, moves these, these, these damaged cells along and, and, and out of uh, the system. Uh, the GI the GI tract. So we, we don't believe that that we're, we're keeping ourselves open uh, or keeping patients open towards towards uh, you know other types of infections. We haven't seen that in our studies thus far. We haven't seen that uh, we basically our safety profile has been fairly strong uh, in all our studies. We've passed through two DSMB so far, and we haven't seen any kind of super infection in these patients. This is a, a drug with potential to treat a number of indications. How are you prioritizing them? Well, a lot of it has to, as we're a small company, a lot of it has to do with cash and, and market size. So, and it's also where the interest is. Uh, at this point, uh, we, we're still working on a drool pace. We're starting to get our, uh, working on our formulation there, in cystic fibrosis. Uh, so it's not a big spend right now to fix the formulation. So, we're doing that in parallel. Uh, the COVID trial has been moving along. It's, you know, Omicron that's come along is, has really boosted our, our numbers as well in the last couple of weeks. So that trial is going to be uh, finished fairly soon. Um, and then uh, right now we're looking at our uh, proctitis trial. Um, and that's the, the results of that trial is going to help determine what we prioritize. And what I mean by that is proctitis 
Uh, ulcerative proctitis is a subset of ulcerative colitis, which is which is a huge market. As you know, most of uh, ulcerative colitis patients are, are treated with injectable drugs, very expensive injectable drugs, and this would be an oral drug that's available to these patients. And if the ulcerative proctitis trial reads out the way we think it's going to be, we we might uh, bridge ourselves into a larger ulcerative colitis trial at that point. If we kind of get uh, you know mid, mid, midstream type of results, uh, we have an active IND that's been open for checkpoint inhibitor colitis. We'll just go right into our checkpoint inhibitor colitis trial. That trial is about three to four million dollars, um, but it's a lengthy trial. It's going to take some time. Even though we're working with some of the top oncology centers in the country, that it will take some time to re- recruit that trial. What's known about the drug in terms of its safety and efficacy from studies to date? Well, the drug, uh, you correctly said before, has been around for, for a long time. Um, and it's a very safe drug. It's got almost uh, 50 years of, of safety data. Um, so the safety is not, not our concerns at all. We, we, like I said, our DSMBs, uh, have, our safety boards have let us move forward. We haven't seen anything uh, out of the out of the realm, uh, other than, you know, slight headaches and things that, you know, sometimes can be attributed to the drug or not. Um, so we're confident as long as we have efficacy, uh, we're very confident in the safety of this drug. And are you exploring this as a single agent or would you expect it to be used in combination with other therapies? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question because that's, I've been asked that by my investors. Um, that. We have to see. We have to see where the efficacy is. Uh, I'm an infectious disease guy. That's kind of what I've done most of my career. I worked in, in HIV for a very long period of time and uh, was instrumental in leading global launches on HIV. Um, so I know the value of combination therapy. It really depends on, on the response, for instance, in COVID that we get. If we see a very strong response, uh, we may not need a combination. However, if we see that we uh, might be able to combine with some other drugs that are, you know, maybe unsafe. If you look at some of the, you know, the Merck data that's coming out on their drug, they're being studied in in mostly moderate to severe patients, just like the Pfizer drug that was approved today. It's moderate to severe. Um, I I would say if if we can modify maybe the dosage on the Pfizer drug and see if it works together with niclosamide, if it's effective, we might be able to use in combination for mild to moderate patients. I mean, my goal is to make our drug uh, the new Tamiflu for for COVID. Um, Likewise, in ulcerative colitis, we're trying to avoid patients uh, or ulcerative proctitis and taking steroids. So uh, we want to cut down on that. And if uh, we need to combine ourselves even with a small amount of steroids, uh, to make our drug more effective, we'll see. Well, right now in our study, our data will let us know. But uh, it is a small, you know, our, our molecule, which is a micronized version, is a small molecule and will be able to be combined with other uh, drugs. I can't say the same for the other forms of niclosamide, which uh, you need a lot of drug in order for it to be effective. It's been a tough year for biotech stocks, but you're trading near a 52-week low of around buck and a half from a high of more than 26. Why has the stock behaved so poorly, and, and how much of a constraint will that be on your ability to raise funding? Yeah, that's the million-dollar question there. Um, I, 
as any CEO will tell you, we're dumbfounded uh, why the, the share price is where it is. Um, we know that people are, are solo, you know, doing tax sell-offs right now for tax losses. But more importantly, I, I think some of our investors, which we've turned over uh, to a very large retail investor pool, they're either not understanding how much cash we have in the bank uh, or understanding our science because we, we've put out nothing but but good information. Um, and every time we put out good information, our, our share price takes a hit, which is, is kind of, you know, I don't really understand it, but it, it's it's reality and it's what's happening. So, look, we I've just got to get some clinical data out there. Clinical data is what's going to speak volumes uh, and get all the doubting Thomases to uh, reinvest in our company. I don't think it's going to hold me back on raising capital. Uh, I just raised uh, $6 million three weeks ago through our ATM. Uh, uh, we, we have an ATM with H.C. Wainwright. Uh, we've used it very effectively. We very quietly raised $48 million in 2021. The company had never raised uh, nearly that amount in total in their first five years. Uh, we've raised more than double than they've raised in their first five years combined. So uh, investors are still very interested in, in our company. I think we're a great buy right now, quite frankly. Some of my older investors who have been around the company for five or six years, a lot of my volume is coming from them because they're just buying more and more stock. Um, if, if I get a, a deal on the table, uh, the sky's the limit. Nicolosamide is a, a relatively inexpensive drug. It's an oral medication. It can see that having big advantages over the biologics used to treat these conditions. But are there IP and pricing issues this creates for you? Well, no, it doesn't create any IP issues. I mean, we've got patent rights for 2024. We have mechanism of actions. We have formulation uh, patents. So we're very strongly protected. That's I wouldn't have you know, bought the company had I not believed that. I had three separate IP law firms uh, in Washington you know, do all this work for us and why it took us a, a while to, to uh, acquire the company. So IP, we're, we're solid. Um, in terms of pricing, uh, I'm a big believer, you know, pharmaceutical pricing is really taking a hit uh, in the public eye. And uh, I'm a pharmacist as well, and I've been in this industry a long time. I, I believe we have to price our products uh, in order for to create access for patients. Uh, and, and that's what we're going to do. We, we want to make sure that the patients have access to the products. Now, granted, you know, I've got to get some of our, our the money that we invested back. To, for our investors, um, so we'll price the, the drug accordingly, but it's not going to be at a, at a price that, that patients cannot afford to, to be on, on the product. So um, certainly uh, some of us in, in the industry were adamant that we have to price drugs uh, you know, in order to make them affordable for patients, and, and this company, we will. James Saperstein, Chairman, President and CEO of First Wave Bio. James, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. 
We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.